0: Thank you, son. Thank you, Lord. It's a joy to be here every Sunday. As I came toward retirement, I knew that God wanted us back in East Texas. I'm from Mount Pleasant. She's from Nacogdoches. And in all of our ministry years we were never in East Texas but in the providence of God he allowed us to come here where John and his family live and to be between our hometowns and available to our families there and that's good but we came with a great prayer in our hearts that God would allow us To be a part of this family of faith, dysfunctional family of faith. I understand that. (laughs) It's good to be here every week. We want to know about the love of God. How much do we want to know? You remember that God has only one only begotten Son. Everyone else who belongs to Him is adopted. That's the only way we come to Him, other than Jesus, who is His Son. The rest of us are adopted. So if you want to know about the love of God, you must allow him to teach you more about adoption. Whether it's literal adoption or figurative adoption, from your heart, in your heart, and then from your heart, God wants to reveal to you and to others about adoption. It's a wonderful, wonderful calling for all of God's people. To join him in his love. We come now toward the end of our study of the book of 1 Peter. We have two more Sundays in this study. It's been good. Very, very good all the way through. We come to still more ancient words of truth today. Ancient words of truth that are, as indeed all of God's words are, of great importance for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has his purpose for his word in each of our lives. So many things that we learn in life, they go in one ear and they come out the other. And we act as if It really doesn't matter. We're beyond that lesson now. But the lessons that God has for us in his word are lessons that he means to make an impact upon our everyday life and then an impact that bears fruit for all of eternity. There is no way that we can ever go beyond our need There is no way we can ever fall short in our understanding of just how much we need the Word of God. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16, these words are found. Your word was found. That's it. Your words were found, and I did eat them. Your words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I'm called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I'm a child of God. He's come and given me a new heart. I belong to Him. And as a child of God, I have a hunger for the Word of God. I've learned that Father knows best. I want to hang on His every word. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And Thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, in his, one of his temptations where the enemy was tempting him to turn stones into bread because he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. And if you be the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus said, it is written, He always relied upon the word of God. If we want to defeat Satan, we'll get to that next week. um, We need to hide God's word in our hearts. We need to understand, we need to feast upon his word. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Have you come to understand that more important than your physical food, as important as that is, is your need for the spiritual food of God's word? Has that light dawned within your understanding? Blessed is the man "...who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1. God wants his word to be at the heart of who you are. He wants you to consuming his word, eager to feast upon his word day in and day out in your life. He wants you hiding that word in your heart that you might not sin against him. But he wants it there not only for your good, but for your precious children's good. Deuteronomy 5.29 Oh, that God, we hear the heart of God. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wants his word in our hearts for the blessing of our lives, but also for the blessing of our children's lives. In the book of Deuteronomy, again, chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. All day long, every day, God wants his word that we've been meditating upon To come forth from our lips so that our children and others hear them. And they're influenced by what we say and by how they watch the word of God impact our lives in every way, every day. It all starts in your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If you want to know how you're doing with God, listen to the words that you speak. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, 12, 34. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. What do your children know about you as they listen to your words and watch your actions day by day? God's words are important. So when we come to these words before us this morning in 1 Peter 5, beginning with verse 5, They're not just take-it-or-leave-it words. These are words that God speaks to each of us who belong to him. These are words that he means for us to feast upon. He means for us to meditate upon. He means for us to apply in our daily lives for our good and for the good of others. So listen to what he says Knowing that these words are not just words that I read or you read. But they're God's word to you. It's what God wants you to hear today. And what God wants you to meditate on. And apply. 1 Peter 5 beginning with verse 5. Likewise. Now last week Dr. Bob led us in understanding about elders, overseers, shepherds of the flock how they're to be examples to us well likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders now part of my joy in being around here week by week is being greeted by our teenagers they line the hallways or the sidewalks they tell us they're glad we're here When we leave, they tell us they're glad to see us. They open the doors. They close the doors. They are learning in their teenage years to be servants of the living God. That need in each of our lives is something we never outgrow. It's something we need to be doing as long as we live. We're to be servants of God, servants of people in behalf of God for the glory of God. God wants us to humble ourselves and serve others. Now He's wanting us to know and to experience for ourselves and then share with others the true grace of God. The Casting Crowns has a song in which the words are found I'm a nobody Trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. I like those words. I identify with those words. This little Mount Pleasant Baker's son, in the eyes of the world, I'm a nobody. But I want with all my heart to tell everybody I contact about the somebody with a capital S who saved my soul. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Come and listen, you who fear God. If you you sense in your heart that you're beginning to fear the one who is God, he's active in you. That's where it all starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's bringing you to the place where you repent of yourself and you realize you need him and you begin to fear the one who is God and you begin to listen to the one who is God as you've never listened to him before. Come and listen, you who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for my soul. Now, there isn't anything I'd rather, well, every morning... When I get up, retired 74-year-old, what I pray every morning of my life is, God, I jump into your arms, and this day I ask you to let me be in the presence of somebody that you want to encourage through me. Somebody. Years ago, he gave me a verse. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that's weary. This should be in your counselor's offices. <laughs> he wakens mine ear to hear as one being taught. So I get up in the morning and I listen to him through his word with a prayer in my heart that I'm going to meet people that day through whom his word can flow from me to them for their encouragement. I love God's words through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them Though it was not I, but his grace, God's grace in me. 2 Timothy 1, 2 says, Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our strength is found. God's grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all ours. Through Jesus Christ, his grace. And he strengthens us for his purposes. We all have our place. Those teenagers, as they serve us, encourage us, we all have our place. And our place must be fulfilled in God's way. He wants us to be filled with His Spirit, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. You know why God doesn't like that? Because He doesn't want anything but His Spirit directing your life. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then He gives three characteristics of what it means to be filled with His Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then submitting yourselves one to the other in the fear of the Lord. There's that humility, that servant spirit. It's a part of being filled with his spirit when his spirit humbles us or we humble ourselves in obedience to him and we serve one another for for our good and for God's glory humility is necessary. our pride won't do. Now this isn't easy for a lot of people to hear because in our country many of us have been learned been taught we've learned to take pride in ourselves. God hates that. In this verse, chapter 5, verse 5, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility who are toward one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why does God oppose the proud? Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 tells us, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, colon. And the first thing God lists as evil is pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. You know what the froward mouth is? You ever look that up? I first learned it when I was two. I've discovered it in each one of my children when they were about two. My heart breaks when I see it in my grandchildren when they turn about two. A froward mouth is that which is given to the spirit of disobedience and opposition. I'm not going to do that. Why? No. No. The sad part is that Many people never outgrow that. We just keep asserting ourselves and standing against anything that comes up. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's repeated twice in Proverbs 14, 12, 16, God has a better way and he's wanting to lead us in that way. It's a straight and narrow way. It's the way of faith that leads to life. But the broad way leads to destruction where we do our own thing in our own pride. God hates pride. Humility is absolutely necessary. It's the posture in which we as God's people are to live. In no other posture can we experience his strength to fulfill his calling, to do his will. Who was the greatest leader in the Old Testament? A man named Moses. Why did God choose Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Deuteronomy, no, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, tells us why God chose Moses. It says, Moses was very meek, the meekest man on the face of the earth. That's why God chose Moses. Meekness means tamed strength. No longer asserts himself. His strength has been tamed. He's available to God's strength. Meekness means a teachable spirit. He listens to God for what God wants to say to his people. Tamed strength and a teachable spirit. That's why God chose Moses. But it's not just Moses in the Old Testament. A man named Jesus in the New Testament. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Son of God himself describes himself with the word meek or humble. It's what God wants for each and every one of us. We learned at our pastor's direction. Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 5 we find these words let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not something he had to hold on to to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Humility is absolutely necessary for the living out of God's will for your life or my life. There's no way we can live out his will unless we humble ourselves. Do we need it today? Do we need humble people among us? (laughs) Only then will we find an answer. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But you subtract to the fear of God and the knowledge of the Holy One, and there is no such thing as wisdom and understanding. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. And will heal their land. It's God's promise to God's people. But it begins in the hearts of God's people. If we're willing to humble ourselves. And pray and seek his face. And turn from our wicked ways. Then he hears. And he forgives. And he heals. He's our only hope. And God's people are meant to realize that. And to live in humility. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. And at the heart of being perfect toward him is the heart of humility. Humble ourselves. How do we get there? How do we humble ourselves? Next verse, verse 7, teaches us. casting all your anxieties all your care on him because he cares for you takes a lot of practice to do that a lot of practice used to practice the game of golf over and over and over till my hands would bleed when i first started each winter again that much God call me one day to put down that game and to pursue him. Don't worry about that. That's happened to me when I was preaching a funeral. <laughs> God has different ways to humble us if we don't if we don't first humble ourselves. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And nobody needs it more than me. (laughs) Mm. Do you know how to cast your care on him? Because he cares for you. Trust him. Really trust him. Back in 1980 when we were... Near the beginning of our tenure as pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Amarillo, Jane and I and our three little girls, one was an infant in a car seat, but the other two were a little older, and we were driving back to Amarillo from from East Texas, and we were in the worst rainstorm that I've ever been in in my life to this day. I literally could not see past the hood of the car. I didn't dare stop because of what was behind me that I couldn't see. My eyes were peeled as much as they could be toward right in front of me. I didn't dare pull over to the right because I didn't know what was there or who was coming behind me from that direct, from, from there. So Jane and I were praying, really praying. Scared to death. But in the back seat, there were little girls and they were singing. I love to hear the rain come down, pitter, patter, pit, pitter, patter, pit. I love to hear it touch the ground, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pit. They were at complete peace. They knew they were in the presence of their mom and daddy that loved them and they were at complete peace. And ever since then, God has used that to show me how far I've got to go. How much I need to humble myself and cast all my care upon him because he cares for me with his perfect care and I can be at that perfect peace if I'll just let him work that miracle inside of me. There's another story. My daddy was a baker in Mount Pleasant. He and his brother had a bakery there. They had another one in Longview with two other brothers. And daddy worked mostly at the back of the bakery, underneath a balcony. And up in that balcony, he stored a lot of his baking ingredients. And the front of the balcony just had a banister. didn't have a full wall and I was about five six seven years old and I was up there playing on top of that banister just sitting there and moving around it's four o'clock in the afternoon which is about the time of day every day that daddy finished and his last thing to do was to mop the floor the concrete floor of the bakery he did that every day and all of a sudden he saw me up there and he reached up his arms now he's about six feet tall and reaching up his arms another two feet that comes almost to the ceiling. And then three more feet above that was the top of that banister where I was sitting. And he was saying, jump, come on, jump. I was too afraid. I didn't do it. There's never been a time since that I thought of it in my life where I have not where I haven't regretted failing to jump into my daddy's arms couldn't have had a better daddy never knew a harder working man nobody loved me more than him other than mama (laughs) i wish i would jumped but you know what the heavenly father has let a little light go on inside of me and that little light shines and that little light says i love you more than he did I love you with my perfect love. I love you so much I've sent my son to die for your sins on the cross and not for your sins only, but for the sins of all the world. You can trust me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. Jump. So every day, he calls me to wake up in the morning, and in faith... Jump into his arms and trust him for everything that day has. He wants me to trust him that much. Now, how do I cast all, what does it mean to cast all your care on him? Psalm 103 sums it up, first verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, colon, who forgives all your iniquity. All your iniquity. That's my first care that I cast on him. Who heals all your diseases. He's the great physician. Who redeems your life from the pit. You ever been in a pit? You there now? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. You need satisfying? Who satisfies your soul with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Nobody and nothing else can truly satisfy you but him. Oh, how much we need it. Oh, how much we need him. You know why? We have an enemy, and he's trying to destroy us. And we're going to learn about that next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we are your children because you've adopted us because of the price that paid, that Jesus paid on the cross for us and our faith in him. We are your adopted children and you love us with your everlasting love and you draw us to yourself with your loving kindness and you're always working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. And at the heart of that, you're teaching us to be humble like our Lord Jesus. Father, may we humble ourselves, casting all our care on you, whatever those cares may be, that through our lives others may see and hear of Jesus Christ day by day by day. Use our lives, Father, to bear your fruit and bring you glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.